0: those of you who are new here today, we want to welcome you to the church. We thank you for coming and worshiping uh, our great Lord and Savior with us here. And this church exists for one simple reason, to make fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. And so everything that we do revolves around that simple goal. Can you turn me down a little bit? I'm echoing up here. All right, let's read Romans 8, 1 through 17. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, in fact, children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Switching over to Galatians five, sixteen through twenty-five. But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. I'm gonna date myself here a little bit. But back when I was in high school, there was this really awesome movie that came out that really changed how movies were done, the cinematography and everything. It's a little flick called The Matrix. Anyone here remember? The Matrix. Now, if you were in youth group during the early 2000s, no doubt that you heard countless, I mean thousands, of sermon illustrations from this movie, right? And in fact, this movie was used so much for sermon illustrations that they added lots of cussing into the, last, the second two movies just for the purpose that it couldn't be used by church people, alright? Now, It's been 20 years since that movie's come out, and so I figured it's time to, you know, bring it back out, and it's got at least one more sermon illustration left in it. So, if you remember, uh, towards the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where Neo uh, comes and he meets this guy named Morpheus, and Morpheus offers him these two (coughs) two choices, right? There's two pills that he can take. If he takes. Uh, The blue pill he will continue living in this fake world and just go on happy living the lie But if he takes the red pill Then he'll be set Set free by the truth and he can live in the real world And we see in today's scripture that we have a similar choice We can take the red pill of the gospel and live by the spirit or we can take the blue pill and continue living by the flesh. And the flesh leads to death, and the spirit leads to life, as we saw in Romans 8, uh, verses 16 and 13. And Galatians 5:17 goes on to expand this a little bit, saying that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. They're total opposites. And so, if we look at this Venn diagram, right? we all remember these from elementary school, you'll notice there's absolutely nothing in the middle. And that's where you put things that they have in common. There's nothing in common between these two lifestyles. Death, life, sin, righteousness. Now, for fully devoted followers of Christ, We only have one choice. We need to choose the red pill. We need to follow the Spirit and reject the flesh. And this is called living under the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the third mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ, which we're gonna look at today. Now the whole reason for this series is to help us understand what is a mature disciple of Christ look like. What does it look like to be fully devoted to Christ in everything? And there are a few reasons that we're doing this. One is we want this target, if it will, so that we all know what we're going for. This is what we're working for. This is, this is what we mean when we say a fully devoted follower of Christ and so that we all can be working towards that to, to be sanctified, to grow and mature in our faith. And it also helps us to to be able to look at those that we're discipling and see where they are and see where they need to grow in their discipleship. You see, the, the essence of being a disciple has really gotten muddied over the last few decades. To the 80s and 90s, we had lots of evangelism without any training, without any discipling following that evangelism, and so we just We made people walk the aisle, we made them say a prayer, and that was it. We counted it good, we told them, all right, read your Bible, come to church, and you're good. This led to a lot of stunted growth. We also had legalism that came into the church, and so it defined discipleship as simply being a moral person. And nowadays, everyone's just, well, we have a lot of pastors trying to redefine discipleship, and unfortunately, they're, they're kind of missing the picture. They have parts of what it means to be a disciple, but they're putting all their emphasis on one little part of it instead of a fully mature disciple. And so we see things like social justice, right? If you're a fully devoted follower of Christ, all you care about is social justice. Or we've seen, and we've seen um, legalism continue in that just, just live right. But we've also seen this other thing come up, where is if you're a fully devoted follower of Christ, all you do is just love people, right? It's all about love. So as long as you love people, accept them for who they are, you are a mature disciple. But this is incomplete. This is false. We have to love people, yes, but we have to confront them with the truth. We have to believe the gospel, but we also have to have right living. We have to get people saved, then we have to help them grow and mature. And so as elders of the church, we wanted to clarify this and so that you would know the definition if you're working for it. But also we can take the whole church body and we can hold it up this lens and we can see where the church is lacking. So we as elders know the areas that we need to do more teaching and training on to help you guys grow in your discipleship process. And this also helps us leaders to identify potential leaders. Because we have a rubric that we can look and we say, oh man, this guy, he's, he's killing it right now. He is a mature believer, and therefore he's qualified to be in leadership. And so my goal today is to paint a picture of what it looks like to live a life controlled by the Spirit. And then I'm going to give you some practical ways into which we can foster living in the Spirit. I want to review real, real quick where we've been in our series so far. So the first week we talked about love. A fully devoted follower of Christ loves. Loves God, loves others. And then last week we talked about the second thing, which is to learn. To learn of and from Christ, as Brandon explained last week. And so this week's living by the Spirit. And next week we'll finish this up with the fourth L, which is to lead, leading others to Christ. And so the sermon and the sentence for this series would go something like this. A fully devoted follower of Christ loves, learns, lives, and leads. Now there's a lot that can fall underneath this umbrella of living under the Spirit. But I want to sum it up in three points because I think we can kind of fit everything under that and it makes it... Tangible, and these three categories are faith, obedience, and fruit. And so, my my sermon in a sentence for today is: fully devoted followers of Christ live under the power of the Holy Spirit, and their lives are marked by faith, obedience, and fruit. But before we get into what this looks like to be controlled, I think it's important for us to to realize and acknowledge that these are characteristics or evidence that someone is indeed following the Spirit. These are things that the Spirit produces in us. Right? They just flow naturally out of us as we follow the Spirit, as we allow the Spirit to do His work in us. It's not by our own will. It's not by our own efforts or schemes. Because if if we're doing it by our own will, if we're simply just doing good things or avoiding sin under our own power, well, eventually, we're going to fail at that. Right? And and if our goal is just to earn our own salvation or to earn the favor of God and man, we're not living under the power of the Holy Spirit. God, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, said this, about the spirit and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statute, and be careful to obey my rules notice the language here the spirit will cause you to walk in his statute doesn't say that he's going to give you the choice. doesn't say that he's going to, you know, make you want to be obedient to Christ. Though so he does, but it says he will cause you to follow my statutes, to keep my rules. And so when we are fully controlled by the Holy Spirit, we will simply become slaves of righteousness. We will produce the fruits of the Spirit. And as slaves to righteousness... Um, concept is what Paul talks about in Romans 6. And so I encourage you guys to spend some time there, to to understand this gospel truth this week, read through Romans 6 and just see how the gospel has set you free from sin and has now made you slaves to righteousness. Now, it's also important to realize that perfection will never be achieved at least this side of glory. But as we continue to follow, as we continue to grow, we should notice a pattern where we are becoming more and more obedient, more and more Christ-like as we allow the Spirit to work. And so the first part of the sermon is simply just painting a picture of what it looks like to be that disciple. And so, there's no call to action or commands here that you should try and achieve on your own power. This is simply a picture so that you can compare it to your own life. So you can look deep inside yourself and see, am I controlled by the Spirit? Am I producing the things that the Spirit does? Or am I living in the flesh? Or am I living under my own power to attain my own righteousness. So what does living under the power of the Spirit look like? We said, first thing is faith. Faith is not only the proof of the Spirit, <clears throat> but necessary to receive the Spirit. You see, all believers have the Spirit the minute they place their faith in Jesus Christ. This is not a second blessing. It's not something you achieve when you level up as a Christian. You don't get it through a special prayer or the laying on the hands of somebody. We receive the Spirit at conversion. It's part of the total package of righteousness, forgiveness, grace, all that wonderful stuff that we get at salvation, the Spirit's thrown right in there with it. And the Spirit even works through us, producing that faith so that we can believe. Now, if you don't believe me, I got a whole slew of verses here that you can go look up. And I encourage you to look these up, to read through these, to understand more fully how the faith in, how faith and the spirit and our salvation all work together. So John three: five, Titus three, five to seven, second Thessalonians two: thirteen. Today's passage, Romans eight, nine through fifteen, and chapter fifteen, verse sixteen, Galatians three, two, through 14, Galatians 5, 5, Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, chapter 4, verse 30, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22, and 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16, and 12, 13. I mean, that's solid evidence that we receive the Spirit at the beginning of our faith. And as our passage today said, it's impossible for us to be children of God without having the Spirit within us. And we know that we become children of God the second that we place our faith in Him. And so it just naturally goes the second we place our faith, we become children, and therefore, the Spirit is inside of us. Now, I don't have a whole lot of time to go into that deeper, but like I said, read some of those verses and, and study it. Now, Faith and the Spirit go hand in hand. It's not only necessary, right? But as we grow, we see faith being produced more and more and more. It's so the Spirit that allows us to have, or as we allow the Spirit to have more control of us, we grow and grow and grow. So, fully devoted followers of God, or fully devoted followers, <laughs> they trust God in every situation. doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how bleak. doesn't matter if the facts don't line up. It doesn't matter if it seems impossible. They simply trust God in everything, knowing that he is sovereign, knowing that he is good, knowing that he will work all things out for the good of those who love him. And you can see this, you can see this in people. Christians face death much better than unbelievers. Christians face unemployment much better than unbelievers because they have this faith, they have this confidence that no matter what, God will see them through it. And another sign of strong faith um, is that these people, they go to God first. They don't go to their bank account and see if everything's going to be okay. They go to God. And they ask God to simply provide everything for them. See, their faith has helped them to realize that their job, their health, their car that's running well, all of that stuff are blessings from God. And if God's the one that's in control of all that stuff, then He's the one that I've got to seek. He's the one I've got to talk to. He's the one that I'm trusting in to take care of me. I mean, even my strength, even my ability to work, my intelligence, all of that is a gift from God. Food you eat. Yes, the job you worked paid for that food, but where'd you get the job? God. To live in this country where you can be able to make wages to earn all that stuff, that's God. That's all God controlling and working over the situation. And so, fully devoted followers of Christ know this and they trust him. They trust to God to provide for everything. Now, the second thing, which goes right along with faith, is obedience. Obedience pretty much shows up in two areas, I feel. In our holiness, but also in just our willingness to do whatever God asks us to do. And we talked a couple of weeks ago um, about Christ's holiness and how it qualified him to be our Savior. But in that, we also talked about our call to be holy from 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. And so this week, I want to give you the secret sauce to being holy. What helps us achieve this holiness? Now, as you probably already guessed, it's living under the power of the Holy Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. This is what allows us to achieve this holiness. Now, holiness can be separated into two categories as well, the positive and the negative. The positive is when we do good things, when we do acts of righteousness, when we serve people, when we love people. And the negative is obviously when we abstain from sin when we choose not to do the wrong that God has laid out for us. And, and when we do these actions, when we both stay away from just all the ugliness, all the hurt, all the pain, all the sin in the world, and when we go above and beyond and we truly love people in a way that is just self-giving of us and it's unconditional, this it sets us apart from the world. And that's what holiness is. It's to be set apart apart. And and we put our obedience on display for the whole world to see but we also put our faith on display for the whole world to see. They can see that we are obeying this God because we fully trust in him. We have found him to be trustworthy. We have found him to be good and we are just leaning into him to provide everything, to just take care of everything. And the world gets to see this. Now Galatians 5 gives us Um, some good descriptions of what this looks like, both in the the righteous acts as well as the sinful acts. And so if you look at verses 19 through 21 in Galatians 5, we see uh, the things of the flesh, things that we are not to do, the things we are supposed to stay away from in obedience. And then in verses 22 and 23, we see the things that we should do, the love, the hope, the peace, the joy, Right? Now these are not complete lists, but they do offer us kind of some categories to help us to sort through things and to determine, is this a bad thing? Is this a good thing that I should do? Now practically speaking, those who are controlled by the Spirit should see a decline of sin and sinful desires in their life and more and more acts of righteousness, or fruit, if we want to use the Galatians 5 language it's important to notice that the speed of this will look different for everyone. Some people, just like that, they drop a sin habit the second that they become a follower of Christ. But others take some time, take some hard work, take some pleading with God before they find this true release from these sins. And some people just continue to struggle with particular sins all the way till they're made perfect in heaven. Now, why does God have this separate timeline for all of us? I got no clue. I really don't know. I know that I've experienced all of these in my life. I've simply been reading, and the Holy Spirit just convicts me, and it's like, I didn't know that was wrong. And so I'm able to just quickly drop that and not do that anymore. But then even more than half of my life i spent time struggling with sin with struggling with addiction to pornography and pleading and crying out to God to release me and wondering God why why are you not setting me free from this like I, I know this is wrong I'm calling out to you and as we talked about his grace is enough and he just continues and so there's times in my life where I experience great victory and this sin is not a problem for me But then there's other times where I'm weak, where I get tired, and the devil comes in and he pounces on me, and I once again face defeat. And I feel the anguish, I feel the cry that Paul makes in Romans 7, where he talks about the sin that I don't want to do, that I continue on doing. And the righteousness that I want to do, I cannot do. But luckily for us, we don't have to remain in this hopelessness because there is power in the Spirit that will lead us in. And I've said all this because I really don't want to oversimplify living in the Spirit, which has really led to a lot of false teachings in the church. The idea of perfection or sinlessness that can be attained in this lifetime. That, that's a lie that some people believe because they just think, well... Once you're a sinner, right? No more problems with sin. And I also want to hopefully relieve some doubt in some people because you're struggling with sin. And you're struggling because the Bible says you, you, if you're walking in the Spirit, right, you're a new creation, the old is gone, but yet that, that truth and that reality doesn't necessarily line up with what you have experienced in your life. And so that's why it's important for us to not look at perfection or not think like, well, I'm not saved because I'm struggling with sin. But we should notice a progression. And so if you're noticing a progression, if you're noticing growth, if you notice that you're sinning less today than you did five years ago, then praise the Lord. The Spirit is at work within you. And we're going to talk about some things here later that will help us to hopefully speed up that process of sanctification. Now the second part of obedience is following God wherever He calls you. And I put this as a separate category because this really doesn't fall into moral categories like our acts of sin and righteousness. And this type of obedience looks a little different because there isn't hard, fast rules to guide these decisions. Sometimes this looks pretty big and crazy, like when the Welshes and the Lairs heard God's call to go to a foreign country, and they said yes. It might be smaller. It might look like the Holy Spirit just tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, your neighbor needs you to go over and pray with them." Hey, that guy in the cubicle across the hall from you, you need to go spend some time with him and share the gospel with him. Sometimes God may ask you to, to change jobs, to move homes. Sometimes he may ask you to stay where you're at. Sometimes it might just be a simple little nudge, a feeling to reach out to someone that you haven't heard from in a long time. Sometimes it's God telling you to date somebody or not to date somebody, even if they're a believer. And so those living under the power of the Spirit are going to obey this. They're going to listen to this. They're going to step out in faith that they have heard God and do it. I mean, it's kind of simple, right? If if you feel this urge to do something and it doesn't go against what Scripture says, then do it. If you see that homeless person on the street, don't be afraid to help them out. Give them some money. Better yet, give them a job. Help them use your computer so they can apply a job. Help them, allow them to use your bathtub so they can just clean up to get ready for the job interview. All these things are things that aren't explicitly told to us in the Bible, but yet they don't violate God's calling, and so therefore we can step out and do it. And what's the worst thing that can happen? You misheard what God told you to do, right? Don't worry, God is big enough to handle that. God is is good enough, God is full of grace, and he will continue to lead and guide you and direct you. Now some people, right, they, they hear very well, and so their path from what God tells them to where God wants them to go, straight line. But if you read the Israelite story in the wilderness, right, you see a different story. Their route to where God wants them to go looks more like this, right? But God was faithful to get them there and God is faithful to get you to where he is calling you to do. So if you think you hear God calling you to do something, yes, seek wise counsel. But step out and do it. Just just obey, believe, have faith in him and follow him. Getting preachy here, that's for the end. Now, the last characteristic that we're going to look at is, is fruit, Right? Those who are living under the power of the Spirit produce fruit. And this often looks like Galatians 5, where we see all these different attributes of people. But I think we also see it in ministry, right? When we see people using their gifts to make disciples, we see a long line of people behind them following in their footsteps. We see the fruit of the Spirit, essentially, because we know that faith comes through the Spirit. And the two really go hand in hand, because those who are truly using their gifts that God has given them through the Spirit to to edify the body, to build up the body, they also have the attributes of Galatians 5. They have love for people. They have joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. And we see this with people just willing to serve in nursery. We see this in people who are willing to just teach bridge kids. I know I can look back with fond memories of those who taught me the scripture growing up in a church. I can look back and see the fruits of the spirit in these people. Now these people never made the front page of the newspaper. Nobody's going to write a book about them you will probably never know them. But I'm here as fruit of their ministry. I'm here as fruit of the power of the Spirit working through them. Many of you are here because of the power of the fruit of similar people who are not going to get a ticker tape parade through Central Square because of Sunday school or through preaching up here on this stage. But yet you guys are the fruit of their ministry. And I say all that to just urge you guys to continue to allow the Spirit to allow you to make disciples. To allow just God's peace, His love, to flow through you to minister to other people. And, and that's really what this is, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. When, when you know someone is a mature believer, these fruits, they, they just ooze out of them. They just can't help it, right? Like you can, you, you, just, you just look at me and go, what's wrong with you, right? Like you, that dude just cussed you out and you're sitting here praying for him? That, that guy cheated you and yet you're still loving him? You're forgiving him? You, you're, you're not trying to get back at him? what's wrong with you right this is holiness that sets us apart that we already talked about and so as fully devoted followers of Christ it's just oozes out of you it's interesting because my mom works in a hospice care and she can tell the believers that the fruit of the spirit just oozes out of these people whether it be uh, those who are dying who just have this peace they're just they're ready I'm, go- I'm going home to see my papa, right? They're just, they don't care about death. It doesn't worry them. There's no fear. It's just this peace. But she also sees it in those ta- other people that are taking care of the patients. You know, when, when the shrivel up old man he can barely walk himself, he's probably like two steps further away from death than this lady, but he just continues to love his wife. He continues to serve his wife. And oftentimes, my mom will ask these people, when she senses, like, you you guys are believers, aren't you? And and probably nine times out of ten, yeah, we're believers. It just oozes out of them. Oozes out of them. So now, we're going to look at how we can live under the power of the Spirit. Things that we can do to help us foster and grow so that our faith, our obedience, our fruit can be displayed for people to see. Well, Jesus gave us the answer to this, right? Jesus told us in uh, John 15 that uh, if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit, right? But the first part about, of remaining in Christ that we must believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This is what we must do as we talk about to receive the Spirit, to receive the power from the Spirit. Now hopefully, everybody here can check this off their list. But if you haven't, come talk to me after this service. Find one of the elders in the church. Talk to the person who invited you here this morning. And ask them how you can receive Christ. Because it really is simple. It's super important. The most important decision you will ever make in your life. But it's simple. All you need to do is recognize that you are a sinner, sentenced to death because of your sins. And there's nothing you can do to fix this. But take hope. Because God has already fixed this for you. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. That he rose again from the dead, conquering death. That he's paid your penalty. You are now free. You are now free to be his child. You are free to worship him. All you simply do is just believe. Place your trust, your confidence in him that he is who he says he is. That he has done what he says he is, will do, and just follow him. Now, the second thing that we do is carve out some time to connect with God on a daily basis, right? And this, this is also a very simple thing. Yet it's so easy for us to fail to do this. But the key to this is Connection. Right? Connecting with God. Don't see this as a task. If this becomes a task for you where you're just simply reading your Bible to check it off, thinking that it's going to earn you some type of favor, right? Or or pray, yep, got my prayer, got my reading, oh, I sung a song from Caleb this morning when I was rolling into work. I'm done, right? No, no, the, the, the key is to take time to actually connect to Him, to hear from God. Right? If you've read through your Bible and you haven't really, nothing's really stuck out to you, I'd suggest keep on reading or go back and reread what you're doing because you're not connecting to God. You're not hearing the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This could be conviction to stop a sin or it might just be like God saying, hey, you're doing a good job right now following a sin in so we can take hope, right? We, we can sense His love for us in that. And as I always said, like praying, reading the Bible, singing worship songs, meditating, memorizing Scripture, all of these are wonderful ways that we can connect to the Spirit and connect to God. And you know what this is called? It's called worship. This is your private worship that we're supposed to do every day. And on Sundays we come in here and we worship Together corporately. But you cannot expect to live under the power of the Holy Spirit if you're only worshiping God one day a week. It's just not going to cut it. So carve out some time. It can be in the morning, it can be in the afternoon on your lunch break, it can be in the evening. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to be uh, stingy or fussy on that. Just carve out some time to meet with Jesus. Now the third thing that we can do to help us keep in step with the Spirit, to live under this power, is to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Romans 8, 5-7 says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Okay? So there's, there's two things here, right? To set our minds on something first means that we're, we're thinking about that stuff. We're meditating on it. We're, we're, we're soaking in these truths, right? We're, we're thinking about the things of the Spirit. We're thinking about love. We're thinking about joy. We're thinking about how we can bless people. We can think about how we can make God famous, right? Those, those, are just, those are the thoughts that are running through our minds, and so we're training our minds to think about such things, right? Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things, right? So we have to be filling our mind with the things of God, which should come from our time of connecting with God through his word. But the second part of setting your mind is that you have to determine in your mind that you are going to do these things. Doesn't does me no good if I think about loving people. does me no good to think if I just think about, oh, I'm going to love my wife. But if I don't purpose myself, if I don't set my will in the direction and decide before the time comes that I'm going to love my wife, does me no good. And so that's the second part of setting our minds, is to determine, to just make that decision each and every day, maybe each and every hour, or situation, that we are going to do what Christ wants us to do. And so when sin comes along, when temptation comes along, right, we've already told ourselves, I ain't going there. I'm going to righteousness, right? And, and it just helps us to make a much better stand because we're just, we're thinking about it, right? We're thinking about it and we've determined that that is where we're going. That's my next, that's my next step, right? And we do this all the time in our lives, Right? Oh, I want to get ahead of my job. So I'm just going to purpose to work really hard so that the boss notices me so I can climb up the ladder. Right? But we need to do that with God, with God's commands. We need to just think about them so that it just flows out of us naturally and we have to decide that no matter what, that's what we're going to do so that we can stand up to temptation. And so you kind of see like this think, this decide, Now it's time to act. And so another way that we can grow in being controlled by the Spirit is simply obedience. Nothing quenches the Spirit more than not listening to Him. Jesus told us in John 14, 26 and John 16, 18. He, He told us that the job of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of God's Word and convict us of our sins and so this is how our spirit grows us in obedience and so when temptation comes along if we've been connecting with God if we've been thinking about his commands right the spirit prompts us and says hey whoa 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 remember Exodus 20 verses 10 right um, don't covet I might be off in number two don't covet your neighbors uh, belongings right and so so this temptation to desire that hot new Ferrari that they just got, the Spirit comes, and he says, No man, it's not for you. And then we can choose to say it, yep, and put it away and keep walking in obedience. Now hopefully, if we choose to ignore that, right, hopefully that we've been walking close enough to the Spirit that we haven't gotten too far away, so that once we commit the sin, we feel horrible. We feel like vomiting. We just, ooh, we're disgusted with ourselves, right? This is the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings. And this helps us to decide, like, I hate this. Or it helps us to realize, man, I've been slipping. I've gotten farther and farther away from God. And so then we can turn away from our sin and turn towards God, and God is there with loving arms to forgive us. But we must, we must keep practicing obedience. We must keep choosing to do what is right. And through this, we will learn God's voice, right? Because when we we commit sin and we get the punishment that we deserve for that sin, a loving punishment, right? Helps us to realize, nope, that was me thinking that and not God, right? And this comes in places with with the non-moral things. Right? Maybe you kind of sense God telling you that, hey, you're not to be dating this person. But you're just like, I'm just not hearing you, right, God? And you continue to go on and on and on and on, right? But then it ends, and you have all that pain. And, so, and God uses that to teach you, like, see, that was you. That was your voice and not my voice. And then when we choose to, to step out in that faith and that obedience and we see, receive the blessing that we understand okay that was that was God right there like that yep that's what God sounds like in my ear all right now I know when I hear that when I feel that prompting that is God and I need to simply step out and obey now the opposite of that right is disobedience no one none of us want to be there So your assignment for this week is to take what we've talked about today and uh, and look at your life, right? This description that we talked about at the beginning, does that describe you? If you asked a good friend, hey man, do you see faith in my life? Hey, do you see obedience in my life? Hey, do you see fruit in my life? The hope is that they'd say, yeah, and they can give you some specific examples. Yeah, I saw you love that homeless guy. Yeah, I see it every time you teach bridge kids. Yeah, I see it when you're at the hospitality table. Like, you just, you love people. Like, you, you're trying to connect with them and, and help them to feel welcomed and, and loved, right? But you need to take a hard look at yourself. And, and, and judge yourself. Where are you on the scale, right? Are, are you completely lockstep and key with the Spirit? Or, like all of us, right, there's room to improve. Be honest with yourself. God already knows where you're at. You can't fool Him. And so take some time and process this with your group, with your bridge group this week. Go around and affirm each other where you see the Spirit. Go around and challenge each other areas that you need to grow in living under the control of the Spirit. Be vulnerable. Tell people where you're failing to follow the Spirit. Now, this is my hope for us. Is that as we look at this, we'll see where we're on the scale, and we'll see that we are trying to follow. And I... But you know what? Some of us may realize that we are living more under the flesh than we are the spirit. And that's okay. Because God's love and God's grace is right there for you. It's so big that it can cover up whatever it is. So that's your assignment this week. To look at yourself but then also to pick a couple of these things that we talked about and get specific with your bridge group And tell them, hey, I need to do a better job of carving out time. Can you check in with me next week? Hey, can you text me two days from now and see how I'm doing at carving out time? There's a a great uh, app out there called Read Scripture that's um, put on by the Bible Project. It's got videos in it. It's got all the text. I know my wife and several of the women in the church... They've, they've started doing this, they've started doing it every day and they're texting each other and talking about that and holding each other accountable, right? To make sure that they're all staying, they all have that connection uh, time with God, right? And so just figure out what's your plan of attack here? What am I gonna add in my life to just, to just like till the soil of my heart so that I can be more and more controlled by the Holy Spirit? Worship team, you can come back up and lead us now. Um, And we're going to pray real quick here, just asking God to bless bless our endeavors in this. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of the spirit which leads and guides us, Lord. We just ask that you would help us to, to learn your voice, to be able to be obedient to your voice. Father, I just pray that you would make that clear to each and every one of us as we grow to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Father, just help us to be vulnerable with one another. Help us to just uh, look at ourselves honestly and see the areas that we are out of step with the Spirit, Lord. And then just through your Spirit, through the power of your Spirit, would you produce this fruit in us, Lord, so that the world may see that you are God, that you are seated on your throne, you are mighty, powerful, and righteous. In your wonderful name, amen.